Well, how many of you were here last week? Okay. All right. And so there's, the review is probably going to be helpful because we're calling this um, Pick Up Your Sword Part 2. <laughs> and um, we actually had a few props last week. But um, I just realized recently that one of the things that is like a fire in, shut up in my bones is to see God's people realize and begin to live in everything that Jesus died to earn for us, to purchase for us. And I just, there's so much more. I think we're going to spend a lifetime um, experiencing more of his love, more of his power. And we're going to especially be focusing in on what Jesus did on the cross was to take back the authority that man had given to the devil. Now, we don't want to glorify the devil by speaking about him uh, more than we speak about God's power and God's love. But I do think it's important to know our enemy. And all I can say is, the devil's a loser, all right? And, but he wants you to think that he has more authority than any believer in Jesus Christ. And so I just want to do as quick a review as we can. But to lay the foundation, I wanted to share an inner vision that God had given me several years ago. And so you need to take a look at this lovely sword here. And I love this sword. It's not, it's not sharp, okay, so you're all safe. But um, this was the picture that God showed me one morning, that I was... Um, there was a man who was kneeling, and he was crying out to God. He was pleading with God. This man was in a desperate place. And lying next to him in the grass was this big, beautiful sword. But he was totally unaware of its presence. And so I'm watching this whole scene unfold. And then we, uh, it was as if the camera panned up to the sky. And it was as if heaven was rolled back. And here was Jesus on his hands and knees, peering over the edge of heaven. And he saw this man crying out, praying, pleading for help. Praying in a desperate way. And you could tell that Jesus was moved with compassion. He heard the man's prayers. But what I saw in this inner vision was Jesus cupping his hands and shouting down to the man. He said, pick up your sword. Pick it up. But the man didn't hear. He was so, uh, so sorrowful and pleading and so desperate. But we know that Ephesians 6.17 says that we are to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the what? The word of God. And the word of God in Hebrews 4.12 is described as being alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and affected. And get this, this is sharper than a two-edged sword. That's the word of God, amen? And in Revelations 1, we see a picture of Jesus. And he says, he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a two-edged sword. The two-edged sword being the word of God. Every word that God speaks. And when it comes out of your mouth, it is that effective weapon. 
Anybody tracking with me? Amen? All right, so we, picking up your sword means speaking the word of God. Picking up your sword means that believing that the word of God released into your situation, released into the atmosphere, released uh, over situations, has the energizing power of God Almighty to do something great. And it will always line up with his word. It will be life. It will be freedom. It will be health and wholeness. And that my friends, is what the power of the sword is. But here's the thing. I can't pick up your sword. You have to pick up your own sword. So just as real quick as a way of um, reviewing, we were talking about one of the key things is to know who we are. Because you have no authority but what was given to us by Jesus himself. And because he was able to defeat the devil through his death and resurrection, he has given us his authority. In Luke 10, 19, we said, listen carefully, Jesus is speaking. I have given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority. And this is my favorite part. Over all the power of the enemy and nothing will in any way harm you. That is the power of the sword coming out of your mouth. And I think we should tattoo that last part right across our foreheads. So every morning when we look in the mirror, we say, I have authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will in any way harm me today. Because you are not a walking and talking target for the devil to fire his arrows at you and to hit the bullseye every time. If you feel like the devil's always messing with your light, there's always chaos, there's always strife, there's always something, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. We need to take up our sword and take back our authority and walk in the confidence of the authority that Jesus walked in because he said that you have that ability in him. But you have to know that it was one on the cross the devil was defeated, and everything that we deserve, Jesus took on himself, and in turn, he made you righteous. And that gives you the right to walk in the same authority as Jesus. You know, we love this scripture, 1 John 4, 4. It says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But I think sometimes we act just the opposite, and it we almost think it says, uh, greater is he that's in the world than he that's in me. Why? I, I love this. You know this scripture too. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. And what will he do? He will flee. Who's supposed to be running from whom? Right. We are not supposed to be buckling our knee. We are not supposed to be being intimidated and backing up and running away from every, uh, everything that the devil is trying to put on us. So he is not greater than he who lives in me and you. I think the devil is, is kind of like this, though. Say that you own a company... And the devil is one of your employees. He's a terrible employee. 
And he, he gets caught stealing and lying. He doesn't show up to work on time. And he, he's got a parking spot and he's been collecting a paycheck. And you finally have had enough. You say, you're fired. Pack up your stuff today. Security, escort this guy right out of here. You're done as of today. Well, the next morning, in walks the devil as if he owns the place. And he goes back to his desk and he acts like nothing even happened. And he starts acting like he's supposed to be there. And the, you have to say to him, what, what are you doing? You're fired. Get out of here. And you call security again. Escort this guy right out of here. The next morning he shows up again. And he tries to get through the door. And this time you were waiting for him. But you see, he thinks. He wants you to think that he has that kind of authority. And that he can ignore everything that Jesus says that we have. And if we're not wise to it, we'll let him walk in the front door time after time after time. But you have the authority to say, you're fired. Get out of here. In Jesus' name. All right. Christianity is not for sissies. You need to stand up and take your authority. And really, after thinking about last week... I realize that what we're talking about is determining our stand. Stand. How are you going to respond? What is your position? Jesus has positioned us with authority. Ephesians 6, 13 through 17 says, Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground. Everybody say, stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm, say, stand firm in this place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground. You know, there's a little uh, uh, obvious thing. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. We heard the word stand three times in this scripture. And the power of repetition tells me that's a very important point that we are to pay close attention to. In case you didn't miss it the first time, Paul says it again, and he says it a third time. Stand your ground, believers. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Do not buckle under the day of adversity. In the day of adversity, don't run, don't buckle under pressure, and don't doubt and don't fear. That is your heritage in the Lord. And that's what Jesus has won for you. Determine your stand. I'm standing firm. And I love where in, in the Amplified it says that you are in your place. The devil said, would say, get out of here. You don't deserve it. You're not spiritual enough. You haven't prayed enough. Look what you did back in that day. You don't have any authority over me. And those are all lies. We know that. But your place is where God says is your place. And that is your place of authority. And you can go toe-to-toe -to, -toe to the devil. And when he realizes that you know who you are, and you know your authority, guess what? He's got to go. He has to go. Recently, it's okay to share this. <laughs> Recently, there was an a, a opportunity to pray with someone 
who was really experiencing a lot of demonic oppression. And there were things happening in her life. And, you know, we also talked last week about spiritual influences empowered by human agreement. She had relinquished so much control of her mind that there was a lot of demonic activity going on around her. And first of all, I just said to her, I'm sorry, I can't pray for you. Now, that's not normal, what I would say. But I believe the Holy Spirit was leading me to tell her this. Until I know that you're going to resist what's happening here, it won't help you if only I pray for you. And so we, I began to minister to her that she had authority over demonic spirits. And that if she would resist them as she submitted to God, that they had to go. And I began to feel her spirit rise up. And so we prayed together and we resisted and we resisted. And I felt some resistance from that, that demonic thing that didn't want to leave. And I finally said, we're not leaving until you go. And something broke. But you know what we did? We established our stand. I'm not backing up. I'm not backing down. You have to go because the word of God says so. Not because I'm so great. Not because I said all the right words. Not because um, I'm, a, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. But because I am a believer in Jesus Christ, I've been given that authority. The same authority that caused demons to scream when Jesus came nearby. And it went. And it went. And I said, what just happened? Because we could tell something had broken. And she said, I choose life. And it was a suicidal spirit that had been tormenting her. And everything changed here because things had to change on the inside first. But we had to resist the devil, take our authority, and it had to go. It has to go. Just say, it has to go. It has to go. All right. And I love this, too, because it says, after you have done everything that you know to do, just keep standing. Just keep standing. Your position in Christ is a position of authority. And it's not my authority. It's not your authority. It's the same authority that Jesus walked in. And now you are positioned for success, but not without being dressed for success. So let's continue in Ephesians 6. Because this is what God has provided for you so you can take your authority. Having tightened the wide band of truth, which is personal integrity and moral courage around your waistband. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, which is an upright heart. Why do you think the, the breastplate is, a, is about our righteousness? Because the devil tries to come against your identity all the time. And you put that breastplate of righteousness on it, and it will protect you from the attacks of the enemy that says, you're not righteous, look what you did. But see, you never earned that position of righteousness. It was a gift in the first place. And so it doesn't depend on your goodness. It depends on his goodness, and he gifted it to us. And so protect that. It defends your heart against the accusations of the devil that will tell you you're not good enough. And I could say I'm not, but he is. And he calls me righteous. And I'm hanging on to my righteous identity in Jesus. And having strapped on my feet the gospel of peace and preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. That doesn't sound like a coward to me. 
That sounds like somebody who's ready to go toe-to-toe when adversity comes. Above all, this is good, this is above all, lift up the protective shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So try as he might, like I said before, you are not a target for the devil's devices. Put up that shield of faith to extinguish those flaming arrows. And then take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the what? The word of God coming out of your mouth. All right. I'm just going to hang on to my sword for a while. All right. See, because you can have hands laid on you. You can go through every prayer line to get free from things. But I, I really believe this. Jesus provided everything that you need to walk in total freedom from all the mischief, all of the uh, enemy's uh, forces against you. And so I believe that what is lacking sometimes when we don't have freedom is that we have not yet picked up our sword and we have not yet taken authority, the authority that Jesus has given. And there was a day in my life when I was under the authority of a spirit of fear. And it began to manifest itself in really weird ways. And there was a day when I said it would be safer if I never left the house and just kept my kids really, really close. Because that was the area that the Satan would come against me. And, and his lies would say, you know, I'm going to kill your children. I'm going to do this. We're going to uh, somebody break into your home. And uh, it was just this constant fear. My poor husband had to get up in the night several times and make sure there was nobody in the house. He knew there wasn't anybody in the house. But I was afraid. I was under the spirit of fear. And it had authority over me. And there was a day I cried out. I said, God, I need to be free from this. And the thing that was lacking is that I had not taken the authority that is mine in Jesus and say, I rebuke you, spirit of fear. You are lying to me, and I refuse to believe your lies. I will no longer agree, and I had to break my agreement with all the things that I've been listening to, all the lies that I had begun to believe, and it had to be like like flipping it over. It was a complete turnover, and I realized that I had never resisted those thoughts. I thought they were just me, but they weren't. They were attacks in my mind to undermine what Jesus has given us. I love John 14, 12. <clears throat> Anyone who believes in me, Jesus is speaking, will also do the things that I do. <clears throat> Did we get that? Anyone, any believer in Jesus Christ will also do the things that Jesus did. And if that didn't blow your mind, how about this one? And he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. These, I love these last chapters in John because here's Jesus. He gets one last chance to impart all this wisdom and all this truth to his disciples. And he's telling them, I'm going away. They're saying, where are you going? Well, have I not been with you so long that you don't understand that I'm going to be laying my life down? He's talking to them. He's trying to prepare them. This is where he talks about the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, anyone who believes in me will do these things that you have seen me do. You know, they saw the miracles. They saw 
the feeding of the thousands and thousands and thousands and the blind eyes that were open and the lepers that were healed and um, the, the lame people who were walking and dead people raised back to life. And then he says, you, you and I will do even greater things. So are you ready to take up your authority in the power of God to do greater things? Amen. John 16, 23 Jesus still talking to his disciples. He says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name as my representative, he will give you. Wow. So first he says that greater things will we do. And then he says, and I gave you permission to use my name. So we have the authority and we have the power to speak the name, permission to use his name as his representative. And you know what that does for me? That takes the pressure off of praying for someone. Because it's not, I am not praying for someone who needs healing, you know, in my name. Because I can't heal anybody. But he says, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. I'll do it for you. And I will, you are a conduit for the power of God to be laying hands on people, to see healing, to see miracles, which is what the Word of God says. There's more than one way to receive miracles. You can receive them just by faith. We believe in a miracle God. And then it says you can call for the elders of the church. You can be anointed with oil, hands laid on. Believers in my name will do that, Jesus said. So what does the Word of God say? about believers. Let's continue. Mark 16, 17, and 18. These signs will accompany those who have believed. Believers, raise your hand in the room. This is for you. In my name, here's the name of Jesus, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up servants, serpents, not servants, and, they, and if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. It's in the name of Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus. And you know what your mind is going to say to you when somebody needs some healing and they ask for prayer? Your mind's going to say, well, what if it doesn't work? Oh, yeah, you'll look really stupid. You probably shouldn't pray for him. Why don't you go find a pastor and have him pray for him? But you're a believer. You're a believer. And you've been given the authority, the same authority that Jesus walked in. And you've been given permission to use his name. And the rest is on him. He said, I'll do it. I'll do it. If you dare to step out and believe the word of God. And I'm just going to double dog dare you. I'm going to double dog dare you to take God at his word. And he said, okay, God, this is on you. You said, if I lay hands on the sick and I say in the name of Jesus and we rebuke sickness, you would do the healing. And I have to believe this. If we, we have to come from this foundation. The word of God works every time. The word of God works every time. And I know somebody's saying, yeah, but I prayed and I didn't see this happen. I prayed and this didn't work. But you know what? The word of God works every time. Because if it doesn't, what in the world are we doing? I mean, this would be like the biggest scam in the history of mankind if this stuff isn't true. So we have to start with that premise. If we don't see it working, it's not because the word of God doesn't work every time. But God teaches how to walk in your ways and to see that mighty 
miracle working power, the same power that you walked in, the same power that raised the dead. Because guess what? The same power that raised Christ from the dead, what? Lives in you. Would you release it into the situation? Release the power that is in us. Use the name of Jesus and you will see mountains move. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. But let's talk about those mountains a minute. There are two, there's actually three, but let's talk about the two uh, scriptures that talk about what Jesus said moves mountains. And the first one is found in Mark eleven twenty three. Truly I tell you, Jesus speaking again, whoever, any whoever's in here, okay, that's you and me, says to this mountain, and he must have been looking at a mountain, all right, but if you're saying it to the mountain, guess what? It's your sword. You just picked up your sword. All right, it's coming out of your mouth. Be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt it all in his heart, but believes what he says will take place. It will be done for him. Again, it's not because you're so good, not because I'm so spiritual. It will be done for him because the power and the authority is in the name of Jesus. Say it, don't doubt it. Believe the word of God and it will be done for you. But who's supposed to be speaking to who here? You know what we often do when we pray? We say, God, please take away this sickness. God, please help me in this situation. And we kind of plead with God as if he's sitting up there going, no, I don't think I'm going to do that this time. Not this time. You're just going to have to wait a while. But you know what? His word is already sure. His work has already been done. Anything that lines up with the word of God, what we need to be saying is, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over this sickness. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over the spirit of division in my marriage. In the name of Jesus, I bind that spirit of rebellion in our home. In the name of Jesus, I bind that spirit of lack. I take authority over you because you no longer have authority in my home. You have no longer have authority in my body. And the only reason we can do that is because you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus gave the same authority that he walked in to you. And he gave us permission to use his name. It's all about Jesus. But what we do oftentimes is we speak to God about our mountain Instead of speaking to the mountain, did you see the difference? I recently had an opportunity to pray with somebody. And it was kind of fun because she was experiencing something very serious. And she came and asked for prayer because um, she had had a, a really bad report that the doctors had found a mass. And so we were praying for her. And, and we were praying good prayers. But you know what? Something had to break through. And I heard the Holy Spirit say this, say, um, tell her that when you heard the doctor say the word mass, it struck fear in your heart. And she went, yeah, because they didn't know what it was yet. So she was asking for prayer. And the Holy Spirit is what he told me to tell her. The Holy Spirit wants you to know that mass is just a stupid four-letter word. And he's greater than any mass or any stupid four-letter word. And we began to laugh. And I said, okay, so let's pray this way. Say, mass, 
which is a mountain, get out of my body. You're trespassing on holy ground here. I'm redeemed, blood washed, blood bought. And I take authority over you with the same authority that Jesus walked in. And we use the name of Jesus. And you have to go. Go jump in a lake mountain. Because the Bible says speak to your mountain. There's another, you might be saying, oh, I don't have mountain moving faith. I don't have enough faith. Well, you know what? Jesus addressed that problem. And he said, um, no worries. He says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there. And it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. That should totally blow your mind. We serve a God that nothing is impossible. And now he said, and nothing will be impossible for you. Are you willing to dare to believe the word of God? That nothing is now not impossible anymore. Because that's exactly where the devil will take you. It's too late. That's never going to change. You might as well give up. It's hopeless. And what do you say to that? <laughs> We kind of did that last week, didn't we? The situation's never going to change. You're hopeless. You are so disqualified by what you've done in the past. Why do you ever think God would use you? You know, God is just really disappointed in you. He can't use you. But when you recognize the voice of the enemy... You better pick up your sword. And all I can say is, what'd you say to me? You have absolutely no right to talk to me that way. Get out in Jesus' name. Those are lies that I choose to not believe because that is not the truth about what God says about me. And he has no right to talk to you that way unless you listen. And unless you don't rebuke him and you don't take your authority. But you see, it doesn't take a lot of faith. It just takes a mustard seed of faith, doesn't it? But the question is, how much faith are we releasing? How much faith are we exercising? And I think this is one of the saddest stories in the Bible. Very familiar. We know that the children of Israel, once they were released from captivity in Egypt, Moses was their leader. They're out in the wilderness, and they have been promised a land flowing with milk and honey. And from uh, what we know about locations and everything, apparently that the distance between Egypt and the promised land was really just an 11-day journey on foot. Now, how many years did they wander in the wilderness? 40 years. But do you know this? They arrived in their promised land 40 years before those 40 years. There was a moment where they actually, it took them more than 11 days, but they got to the promised land and they did not go in. They did not possess the promised land. They became afraid. They retreated. They listened to the lies of the enemy. And God had said, you get to the promised land and I'll take you in. And we'll win those battles because there were enemies in the land. But they sent in the 12 spies. Ten were bad and two were good. You know the song? What did they say when they saw 
up, spied on Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good. Some saw giants big and tall. Some saw grapes in clusters fall. Some saw God was in it all. Ten were bad and two were good. And because of the spies who were afraid of the giants, and their giants were bigger than their God, they retreated back into the wilderness and they wandered for 40 years when they could have been living 40 years in their promised land. How many, how many of us tonight need to possess our promised land? Make your stand. Do not retreat. Pick up your sword and walk in the authority that Jesus paid so Great a price. It's in the mighty name of Jesus. And then when we come to that place, we make our stand and we just keep standing. There's a beautiful verse to hang on to. Hebrews 4.11 says, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience as those who died in the wilderness. All of the doubters, those who feared, who did not dare to go in and possess their land, their, their promised land, died in the wilderness. So that that next generation, led by Joshua and Caleb, went in and possessed the land. They picked up their sword. And they were able to receive the promise that really belonged to all of their parents, to all of their relatives, 40 years years before. What I'd like to do now is just spend a few moments in quietness, just quieting ourselves. You know, I want you to just come before the Lord. If you'd put some ministry music on, that would be awesome. Just quiet yourselves before the Lord. What is your mountain? What has had authority over you? that you now need to take authority over? What is it that God has been showing you that you need to get free from that seems to be impossible, but now you know it's not? What's going on in your home that mountains need to move in relationships? Because you know people are not our problem. Some of us need to stop fighting our spouses and stop fighting for our marriages. Some of us here need to stop fighting with our children and, and rebuke and take authority over that spirit of rebellion. Some of you need here to take authority over a spirit of lack. Some of you need to take authority over that sickness that's trying to take authority over your body. One of my favorite go-to verses is found in Habakkuk 3.19. We'll just put it up on the screen. Because in it, every phrase speaks hope, Every phrase speaks of what God is saying to us tonight. You have to start at the very beginning there. It says, the Lord God is my strength, my personal bravery, and my invincible army. He makes my feet like hinds feet and will make me to walk, not to stand still in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progress upon my high places of trouble, suffering or responsibility. What leaps off the page to me is the word my. These 
promises are for you, that God will be your strength, your personal bravery. He will make you brave. He's your invincible army. That means he's already won. He is fighting for you. The battle is the Lord's, but the victory is ours. And he will cause you to keep walking, not be paralyzed by fear, not to stand still in terror, but to keep on walking and make progress. Keep moving through. Whatever obstacle is in your way, God will cause you to leap over it. There is nothing in your way that is going to hold you back because God is your strength, bravery, and fighting for you. We just meditate on that for a few moments. Father, I want to pray for marriages tonight that are in conflict and division. We come against that spirit of unforgiveness. We come against a selfish spirit. We come against a spirit of lust. We come against a spirit of division that's trying to take these marriages down. God, I pray that they will you will cause them to rise up and begin to speak the word of God, speak life into what they thought was dead. Protect their marriage, Lord Jesus, that has been torn down. And Father, rebuild something beautiful on a new foundation. In Jesus' name, I speak to any sickness here, cancer, we take authority over you. You have to bow your knee in Jesus' name. Back pain in Jesus' name. We come against back pain. We call you out in Jesus' name. See muscles relaxing and lengthening. Somebody kind of had like an unevenness in the back, lower back. Some muscles were pulling tighter than others. He's evening you out. <laughs> that pain has to go in Jesus' name. We speak Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Nothing's greater than the name of Jesus. Every name that is named under heaven has to bow its knee. And we just give you the glory. We give you the praise. And we'll, we're going to rest in that. But we have made our stand tonight. Thank you for your authority of Jesus. Thank you that you gave us permission to use your name. And it's at the name of Jesus that we see victory and miracles and change in what looked impossible. And I thank you for every person here in the sound of my voice that they will rise up, that they will know, that they know, that they know that the devil has nothing on them and that they are powerful because, Lord, you have given us that authority in the mighty name of Jesus. And the devil cannot do any harm in Jesus' name.
Amen and amen.